Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells cunt. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. lots of things on the book and face in the place. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of See You Next Tuesday podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. I did not know we started. <laughs> I know. Oh, sorry. That sneaky ass bitch. I know. Yeah. It's been a while, so I've been futzing with the equipment. So that's why I didn't know we started. I know. I know. It's it's not you, I promise. It's it's definitely me. It's all her. It's always all her. It's been... Oh, thank you all so much, by the way, for listening to our three-part episodes on Jody. We know that was a lot. Trust us. Yeah, it was a lot for us to research, to be honest. So we can't imagine having to sit there. It must have been twice as bad. And our friend Elise, a true crime cat lawyer, is amazing. <laughs> she is. We truly. Yeah, she definitely pulled it out for for us for that because it was... Well, as you know, you saw it was pretty hard to get through all that stuff. And then also just the, the amount of there that was there. Oh, we hate her. I, I'm done talking about Jody. I'm done with oh, her. What do you want to talk about? You know what? I'm kind of not done with Jody because I need to revert back to um, the whole 80s discipline with the wooden spoon. Oh, yeah. Because I have some 80s, dis- not discipline, but I, have some, I dealt with some 80s parenting this week. I go to the dentist, right? Teeth cleaning. Every six months, people. Go. Go to the dentist. I hate the dentist. I fucking hate the dentist. Right. I go every six months. Hate it. You know what those motherfuckers say to me? Hmm. Did you ever have braces as a kid? And I go, no. Because. And I tell me if you went through this. Um, so as a kid, I wanted braces. Mm-hmm. Had braces. They had got the cool, yep. colored ones, same. rubber bands. Yep. Like, exactly. I same. wanted braces, and I was told, "You have perfect teeth. You don't need braces." Every yeah, exactly the same. It you was, know, and I find out later it's because it's fucking expensive as shit to get braces. And I know how expensive braces are because I put a kid in braces. Mm-hmm. The fucking dentist says to me, "Well, you know." We might want to talk about Invisalign because you have gaps in your teeth that are kind of large and food's getting caught in your teeth. And, um, well, there's some spots we're worried about um, cavity-wise. Um, it hasn't reached, like, full-blown cavities. So it's something you might want to think about to keep as a preventative measure. But until then, here's some prescription toothpaste we want you to use at night. You just brush with it and spit you don't rinse your mouth out or anything because that's fluoride and we want that to protect the teeth i need fucking braces at 43 years old (laughs) because my parents didn't want to pay for the braces they said no you have perfect teeth you don't need braces no i needed fucking braces those motherfuckers didn't want to pay for them wow so you're gonna tom cruise it you're gonna do one of those well okay let me finish this story oh Mm, there's more (laughs) there's more because pot hubby also needs invisalign because 
Here's what his 80s parenting parents did. He actually needed braces as a kid. And his parents asked him if he wanted the braces, and he said no. So therefore, there were no braces to be had. Oh, my God. And it's a more important issue for him to have them than me. So he gets to go first. Absolutely. 100%. So I get to pay for braces for two fucking 40-year-olds <laughs> because their parents didn't want to pay for the goddamn braces. <laughs> well, no. His parents left it up to a child. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. To decide to figure out what happens with their teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So you guys both have these appointments to go get braces done. Well, he's first. But when is his appointment? Has he made it so, yet? No, because we've had this information about him for like a year. And he has yet to go because he's had all these excuses and reasons why. We can't afford it, or we need to use the money on this, that, or the other first. Uh huh. But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I know I need to do it. Yeah, th- we know. Yes, you're right. We know we know. You know because so, that's what we've been talking about this entire time. Me and the excuse me for all those out there that do this job. The lady that cleans my teeth. I'm not quite sure what you're really called. I'm gonna go with RDA. Let's just say that registered dental associate. I don't know. Dental hygienist. hygienist. Dental hygienist. Got it. Um, Nailed it. We discussed. I said, well, I know my husband needs them. She goes, yes, he does. Mm. I go, because we see the same one. Oh, okay, okay. She does all, my whole family's teeth. Oh, and she's like, oh, yeah, of course he does. She knows all the tea. Uh-huh, she knows all the family's teeth. So I go, he needs to go first. She goes, yeah, he really does. I go, so um, I was nagging him, and he would never come take care of it, so I stopped the nagging. I said, the nagging is about to commence. (laughs) (laughs) Was she like, "Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm? I'm sure it is. So he was like, I can't believe y'all disgust me without me being there. I'm going to talk to them at the dentist office. I go, "Mm mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you should probably talk about how the fact that you're not getting your teeth done, and you know it's important, and we both have to get Invisalign, and you're first, so... It's on you, brother. So now, because I have this knowledge, every time I eat, I feel like I have shit all in my teeth. Oh, my God. I am I was actually, as you were describing what they were saying about your teeth, they made it sound like you have these, like, golem-type situations going on in your teeth, which you absolutely do not. So, so it's I, like, what are you guys talking about? So apparently, like, it's more like back here. Oh, in the back? Mm-hmm. They're but, just... The spacers are big, okay. whatever. But it leaves this quote-unquote prescription toothpaste with the fluoride. It doesn't taste like shit. Like, I was a little bit concerned about it. I was going to ask if it did. Because, you know, the, have you ever tried Tom's toothpaste? That, like, no. natural... Ugh, it's literally like putting Vaseline in your mouth and then brushing with it. Yeah. It's so, disgusting. So there's 80s parenting for you. A, you tell your kid, oh, your teeth are perfect because mm-hmm. you don't want to pay for the braces. Mm-hmm. Or you give the child the choice of... Are you going to get the braces or not? So what you're saying is whenever Jody was being, her mother carried a wooden spoon in her purse to potentially like beat at ace anytime she had to. Very fucking normal. Yes. Very fucking normal. Okay. Yeah. So if you follow our social media, I did have a um, post this week about my mother carrying a wooden spoon. I actually found that on Google Images from like whisper.com is like a confession or whatever. <laughs> so this go. was a common thing. Like 
parents discipline their children with wooden spoons in the 80s. Jody, you were not being abused. Right. Well, and, and to be fair, not to say that it was a good thing, right? No. I mean, God, no. Corporal punishment, as we all know, is definitely not the way to go. What we're trying to say is... It's not her her establishing a, oh, but this is why I was abused. Girl, and then technically everybody who was raised past 1950, shoot, before 1950, when they actually were abused and told to pick the switch off the tree, that was what my grandma told me many I mean, times. And I was like, yeah, no thanks. Pass. I'm also going to say a little swat on the butt. Yeah. I ain't never killed nobody. Never, I mean, and don't start none won't be none. That's another thing. You know, don't start no shit. And will be no shit. So don't grow pot on your roof of your house like a dumb shit. You know, and this bitch. And I'm gonna say, like this bitch. Look at some of these little assholes out there today. Like everybody getting a trophy, and you sitting your child down and in a tone like this, explaining to them. Now we don't do that. We don't do that. That's not right. Look at these little entitled assholes today. <laughs> some of them. Needed a wooden spoon to their ass. Somebody need your ass beat. Yeah. I'm just saying. We're full of opinions today. Yes. We're full of it. Oh, and speaking of being full of it. Happy birthday, Amanda. Oh, thanks. It's a little late. That's as much as I'll say. But I got you something. So do you want to open it? I do, but I'm sewn into my spot. You are. Do you want me to get it up? Get it up. Yeah, because I'm afraid I will tump this whole situation over. (laughs) Okay. And we're in Texas, so tumped is a word. Tump, tump it over. So don't come at me for saying tumped, y'all. Okay. There we go. All right. Yeah. First of all, Jesse went above and beyond and wrapped my gift this time. I did. I actually did do a thing. I know normally I'm just like, it's sitting out in the open because I was too lazy to go to Target. <laughs> it's true. I'm such the worst. I have good intentions, but... You know. So she got me socks that says don't be a twat waffle, which match my Don't be a cunt cake. Cunt cake socks. Which I love, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and you feel free to give those twat waffle uh, socks away if you feel like somebody might need them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't be a twat waffle. And then I guess you skin shit. Essentially. Because, you know, she knows I'm getting old. No, girl. Skincare is, let's talk, you know, self-care. So I figured, treat yourself. You know. Ooh. Ooh. I'm yeah. so excited. I know. I okay. had to. Yeah. If you're not from Texas, you don't know. So I'm going to have to fill you in. I have to educate. So we got this um, restaurant called El Arroyo. Mm-hmm. And they have the best sign Ever outside their restaurant. Yeah, they're well known for their, like, it kind of looks like one of those roadside signs where you can, like, replace the letters, but and they have it in front of their restaurant. Even if you don't live here, go follow them on social media just for their signs. Yeah. This one says, I'd rather be someone's shot of tequila than everyone's cup of tea. Yep. That's you. that's me. It is you. Very much you. Yes, girl. Opening it. How exciting is this, listeners? <laughs> if you want to see what's happening, check so... out our Patreon. Ooh, and a smelly good candle because 
I mean, hello. So this is like self-care vibes. You put on the socks. So you do some face face care. And then you do, pour mimosa into your coffee mug that says, I'd rather, or hell, a margarita up because in your coffee mug. We all know how much I love the tequila. Oh, God. I mean, if you don't like tequila. I mean, I get we've all had bad times on tequila. I get that whole thing, but, you know. I've never had bad times on tequila. Me either. Me either. Whenever anyone says that, and I've said that, okay, the one thing that I have had that I've puked back in the day that I cannot have anymore, Chambord. I will do it if it's mixed in a drink, but holy shit, if it's like near me, sometimes I'm just like, ugh, God. Just reminds me of that moment. Do you like that? Yes. Okay, cool. It's kind of like this like shawl sweater thing you yes. can wear in the office. So do you know how many of these I have and I love them all? Do you really? Okay, great. Okay, good. I was a little like, I hope she likes this. I don't know if it's your style or not. Yes, I do. Cool. So yeah, sweater shawl thing and stuff. So yay, happy birthday. Yay, thank you. Self-care. Because I figured shit, girl. Do you want to talk about work? Do you want no, to talk about what's been happening? It's so bad we can't even talk about it anymore. Yeah, it's because it's gotten to the point where I can't be vague anymore. Yeah, it's too specific. Yes, it's too, like, specific. But on a crime note, I have to tell them about what I have done with my child. Oh, please. (laughs) I'm going to sip mimosa. So, y'all know that I got two kids in college, right? Mm. So my daughter comes home for spring break. And she's telling me how she started talking to a boy. Mm. I'm going to say dating. They're dating. They're not boyfriend. She made it very clear he's not her boyfriend. But they're like seeing each other. Yes. They met now. They've, oh my God, maybe she would kill me if she, thank God she doesn't listen. They're dating. Oh, that's what all we're going to say. Are we going to go, can we say base wise? I don't know. Okay. Because I don't know the base. Yeah, right, right, right. Um. So they're dating, and I'm, like, asking her questions all week about different things. And so I find out that he's 22, Mm. or maybe 23, because he just had a birthday. And I don't know if he turned 22 or 23. She turned 19 on St. Patrick's Day. Mm. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No. Ma'am. No, ma'am. Mm. <laughs> so then I'm like, well, I want to see what this boy looks like. So I ask her for his social media so I can see what she... I go, do you have a picture? I want to see what look... No pictures. No pictures. So then I ask for his social media. Mom, I'm not giving that to you. Oh. And then on the 17th, I had an MRI and I had lots of volume to get through this situation. <laughs> Which... Bless. Bless them for giving you three. They were like, here's ten. Yeah. Three to be exact. I took all three. Hell yeah. One at 11, one at 12, one at one. Um, yeah. So she's like, mom, you are so drugged up. I am not going to give you his info- his last name so you can find his social media because I don't know what you're going to I'm not going to do anything. I just want to see him. So next thing you know, all of a sudden she's like, oh, well, he's in Florida with friends. And so he sent mm. me a picture. Oh, so now we have a picture. Okay. And so I see the picture and, you know, he like. Is he okay? He's I mean, okay. Let me see. Do you have it? I don't have the picture. Damn it. Okay. <clears throat> We're respecting privacy. We're trying to 
not be nosy so, people, but let's be real. We have to be. It, so then the next day I'm like, I'm not high on Valium. Can, <laughs> can I please see this photo? Can, can I please get his social media? Still nothing. Not getting it. I'm still rapid firing questions, finding out about this kid. She goes back to school. And um, I'm like, I'm going to find this snot-nosed brat. <laughs> it kills me. In under five minutes with only his first name, I find his Instagram and his Facebook. <laughs> Your daughter had no idea. So then I text her and I fess up and I say, I just wanted to know if I could do it. I did it in under five minutes. I kind of wish I actually timed myself to get the exact time it took me to do this. I, That's incredible. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, like, not because I don't, because I, I know your skill. I do know your skill set. You know, she has a very specific, specific set of skills, but my God. But I was even like, holy shit. That's crazy. And so I fessed up to her, right? And she goes, I, I'm so sorry. Please don't be mad at me. I was like, a couple of things. A, you were so evasive and wouldn't give up the goods. B, I just kind of wanted to know if I could do it. And C, I swear to God, I won't ever look at it again. Mainly because he's got his settings on private and I couldn't find out anything. Yeah, there's that. And she goes, if I wasn't so impressed, I would be mad. <laughs> Well, and to be fair, she had to know that you were going to do... She knows who her mom is. There's no way that you weren't going to, like, get up in that and try to figure out who this person was. also included, look what I do in my spare time. Right. Talk about crime and murders and research to the nth degree, the tiny, minutest details that you have to find on page 13 of Google. So, yeah, of course. Of course I'm going to be this guy. I mean, it really wasn't hard. I'm very proud of you, but I'm also proud of you. I'm even more proud of you for not like. For ge- him? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like messaging him on the side and like pretending you're like another girl to like see if he'll cheat or some shit like that. Like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. You know, like try to like catfish him <laughs> just well, to like be like, he's you're not allowed to go out with this boy. Yeah, no, all of that. I'm proud you did not do. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't trying to like catch him in something. I, I just wanted to like know about this boy. Well, so yeah, because that's your daughter, and I don't care how old your daughter is. That's your daughter or your son. It doesn't matter. Like you care about who the hell they're with. Of course, anybody would. Under five minutes, girl. I but he's first sounds, name only. He's you said he's a very nice boy though. Very nice young man. I. I don't know that he's a nice young man. I did ask her because we're going to be making a trip to... Her college? Her college here. What day is it? Probably next weekend. Oh, yeah. I did say, are we going to get to meet Michael? Not his real name. Um, When we come. And she was like, oh... Maybe. She's like, I didn't even tell him about that. Because uh, she's dancing. Oh, that's right. And we're going to watch dance. And I go, all right, we're going to get to meet Michael and come see you dance. She's like, oh, I don't know. I didn't tell him about that. Dude, dude, the unbotheredness of that age. Oh, shit. I wish, I God, I pray for that every day to be that unbothered. Am I wrong? 
You remember in high school and that right around there, 1920, you didn't give a shit about anything. You think I was in high school in 1920? No, I'm saying like high school and then that like early, like college age time frame. No, I know you weren't. Girl, (laughs) come on with it. No, I'm just saying like that age time is skincare and then you just said i was in high school in 1920 i'm like like, it's a subtle hint like you need skincare sweetie i'm sorry yeah Um, skincare no i'm just saying like i remember the things i gave a shit about like were not holy shit we could actually end up in a nuclear apocalypse with fucking fucking mutually assured destruction and let me send this email real quick you know what i'm saying it was such a totally different time. God, I, I would oh, it'd be so nice, wouldn't it? And that's why we have edibles. <laughs> this is funny. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, I gotta check in with my mom and see how her experience <gasps> went. Are we gonna talk about that today, or do you wanna wait till the next episode? Because that's a fucking juicy ass shit. Let's throw it all in. Okay, here we go. It's been. I, it honestly has been a while since we've been in person because we tried to zoom one, as y'all heard. Sorry about that. But, um, and I'm a giant ass loud bitch. Trust me. I've been like hard on myself all day, all morning about it. Cause I was like, oh my God, my voice was so loud. And it's still loud. It's still loud. I'm still loud. But anyway, so, um, and then we did the, you know, Jody's. So thank y'all cunties. We thank you for sticking with us. But yeah, this has been a hot minute since we've been in person. So we've been exchanging gifts. We've had tacos. Oh, we've had Dutch bros. We've had Dutch bros. But what? But what? Go for it. Okay, so Sybil, as I call the lady who gave birth to me, she's always giving me shit for my tattoos and everything. Being being yourself, essentially. Yes. So I accidentally let it slip that I ate my gummies for my pain with my MS. Right. And uh, she goes, do you think it would help with my hip? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. Absolutely. Help with your hip. Oh, and FYI, everyone, I went and saw my neurologist. Coolest bitch ever. She was on board with the gummies. And she's like, I don't care if you do it recreationally. See, this... But because she knows, she understands, like, if it takes the, the edge off your pain and your joints don't hurt and you're able to, like, work well, and move, yeah, and then of course she, like, she wants that she, for you, like, which is amazing. Like, she's, like, a phenomenal doctor. She's an amazing neurologist, but she yeah. went into, like, she was giving me, like, case studies about cannabis and pain and what it can do medically for people. Oh, wow. So she she was even already like, not just on board, but like, oh, shit, here, here's this, here's yeah. this. Here's I mean, that. I turned around, oh, yeah. my eyes glazed over, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. I don't care. <laughs> A little too sciencey for my taste, but and, like, okay. you get way doctor on me. <laughs> so anyways, um, so, you know, I had that in my pocket. Of course. I talked to my doctor. My doctor is like, blah, blah, blah. So you didn't want your mom to be all like up your shit about it because. Right, right, right. Oh my God, I can't believe you're taking it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was, she was like, you think it would help with my hip? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, yeah. And I made sure. I explained to her, like, it's not CBD. Right. It has THC in it. Like, 
Because we live in Texas. It's, it's Delta, Delta 8. 8. Yeah, that's you what know? we're allowed to have legally, yes. It's legally. You can buy it at the vape store. Right. And she's like, the vape store? That's where you get it? And so, <laughs> like, could I have let her, like, fumble her way at the vape store on her own? Yes, I could have. But I would only do that if I could be there to watch it. Because <laughs> so, that would be gold. Yes, that would. I would want the security put into that. <laughs> So I left some in a Ziploc baggie for her on my kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. Because she takes my kid to him from school. Not to school, but brings him home every day. So I was like, look, Sybil's going to pick these up this afternoon. Make sure she gets them. He was like, okay. And he was going to put them in his backpack. I go, no, stop. Don't take that to school. Oh, God, no. No. Please. Even if you were going to just drop it off afterwards... That is the last thing that you need to be taking to school as a 13-year-old. I was like, even if it is legal, it doesn't matter. I was like, no, (laughs) she needs to come inside and get it when she drops you off. Yeah. So she's picked it up. She got the goods. I have not checked in with her to see if she's eaten the goods. Because I was like, you might want to just start off with half. Yeah. I go, I don't really, I was like, I don't get high from these. Right, because you kind of built up a little bit of a tolerance, but also because... And it was also the ones that aren't from my local vape There's shop. different milligrams per, yeah, yeah, so it changes the... Yeah. These were some other ones I bought, and we were having a Delta 8 Texas crisis. <laughs> crisis, we were having a crisis. <laughs> and this was going on right before the next freeze was about to happen, and we're like... Because <laughs> Abbott signed some stupid whatever, whatever bill mm-hmm. thing that doesn't mean anything, that yeah, doesn't kit, it's not enforceable. Point is, we were like, <gasps> we like rushed to the nearest. <laughs> we were like mail ordering shit. No. It was like <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Bad. These anyway. weren't the best ones I ever had. Right. I had to get through them before I could buy my good ones from my local babe store because they were out. It was like a mess. But anywho, I gave her those. Yeah. But even then, I was like, you might just want to start off with half. And here's my husband in the background because she's on speaker money. He's like, just let her eat a whole one. I'm like, <laughs> just fucking, he's stirring the pot. Like, bro, what the fuck are you doing, man? My, my mom's going to get high as shit and she's going to blame me. Well, and then because she was like not understanding. She's like, half, is that like one? I'm like, oh. No, like you cut a pill in half. Same idea. You eat half of a gummy. You eat half. Nope, over here, just whole, whole hog in it. And also, so, oh, did you tell her to wait an hour? No. <gasps> oh, shit. <laughs> She's going to take half and not feel anything immediately. She's going to take the other half and then be like, I'm still not feeling anything. And then she's going to like, just <laughs> I only gave her two. <gasps> oh, thank God. Oh, my God. I thought you gave her like at least 10, 15 no, or something. No. Oh, I my God. I gave her two. Oh, my God. I am dying. I just thought about that. Because that's the, the mistake want, most people do. Is, if y'all want podcast goals, yeah, you please. call her right now. Oh, my God. No, but I do need an update. I do need it. We all need an update on this shit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe we'll call her when we're done recording. Okay. I think that's a good idea. I'll put her on speaker. Okay. <laughs> uh, I also have an update in case you were waiting on bated breath, because I know you were, about Euphoria. I don't the show. know what that is. The show. The Gen Z show and Zendaya. Oh, yeah. See, I knew her when she was on the Disney Channel, so... See, and what's so weird is I didn't. I, like, I... Well, because you also had, like, kids that age, Yeah, right? yeah I had okay, kids okay, that okay. watched her. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree with the Emmy. I mean, first off, for basically everyone on that show. You need to watch this show. Oh, you need to watch this show. 
I'm not allowed to add any more pay TV I know. Channels. I know. I'm going to see if I can figure out how I can give you my HBO login because I'm just like, <sighs> because there is a girl on the show that you're going to fall in love with, just like Zendaya did in the show. She's wonderful. Her name is Hunter oh, in real life. Hunter, fuck, I can't think of her last name. Point is, just the most wonderful actress. Where the hell have you been? Like, honestly, the kids on the show, you're like, how are you this good at acting at like, because you know, they're not teens, like they're in their early 20s, but how are you this good? I they're 33. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, they're not millennials. They're not my age. No, but this got me thinking, okay, because this show is really, it's very sexual, you know, but I think it's good because it shows like reality of high school and not like, nobody has sex. Okay, sure. Oh. Okay. Bruh. Can I like... Please. Make a comment about that. Yeah. So I was watching this show on TLC called Unexpected. Mm-hmm. And it's about the, it's like 16 and pregnant, but on TLC. Okay. And so this mom was like, it was this mom and daughter. And the daughter was like, my mom wouldn't put me on birth control pills. And the mom was like, well, I feel like that just gives your um, child uh, permission to go ahead and have sex. I'm like, your kid's pregnant. She <laughs> was doing it anyway. <laughs> You should have put her on the fucking pill, and then you wouldn't be having a grandchild at 40. She said that as her kid is sitting there pregnant? Yes. No, she didn't. Yes. Wow. That's, um, that's, uh, the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I Truthfully. I know. I was like, bitch. She's right there. She's literally sitting next to you. You're on a show. That's about. It's called unexpected. <laughs> but you but here's the thing: the show should not be called unexpected. It should be called biology. Because guess what happens when you have sex? Exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? Every oh time, hey everyone! Every time you have sex, you should expect to be pregnant when Jesus. you're done. Oh God! Take the wheel. So. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's great. That, like, that was great. Oh my god. But I think, like I said, I think it's a phenomenal show. It's filmed very well. They talk about a lot of shit. You know, a lot of stuff teens now are going through. Guess what? Shocker. Same shit we went through. Just a different time frame. You know, like same shit. They think like we do. All this stuff. It's like So I'm like, great. But like, the thing about the show is it is so pulpy like really over drama over drama over drama but in a good way and i was trying to think for millennials if we had anything at our teenage years that was like that degrassi but but not really because i didn't i didn't even know about degrassi because it was so canadian like it we didn't come down to us at the time so guess what we never had a show that showed sex and showed drug use and the horrors of it or showed like real relationships ever ever you know what we got say by the bell which is a fucking amazing show but what i'm saying is is like that wasn't reality right we had say by the bell Nine we had like now. that was your generation i know i've been racking my brain trying to think of a show that's like euphoria but for millennial our generation nothing and the only thing i can think of is there was a massive like you know, satanic panic in the 80s and 90s, and then this huge like shift in um, US culture towards like uber morality, 
So all the TV shows started to be educational. Gossip Girl. That was after me. One Tree Hill. That was, okay, One Tree Hill possibly, but I don't think there was much sex in it. But even that was dumbed down because it was all in the CW. Vampire Diaries. After me. The OC. Ooh, the OC. Okay, there it is. That was ours. The OC and possibly reality shows. But even then, it was just nowhere. All I got to say is I appreciate that nowadays in most of our culture, we were able to talk about basically everything because it needs to be fucking talked about because what you don't know, you don't know. And because of that, you might make decisions that aren't the best, right? So, but I loved it. I fucking love the show. It's totally worth the watch. And it's so fun and like cheesy in high school. And I love it. It was great. It was phenomenal. You know what show I loved? Great message too. Hmm. Oh, Dawson's Creek. Oh, Dawson's Creek. Shit. Okay. I take it back. But see, I wasn't allowed to watch Dawson's Creek because I had like actual sex in it. Yeah, you're right. Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. Thank you. Because I was racking my brain. I was like, what the fuck? Did we ever have a show like this? I don't get all the credit. I Googled. That's okay. Um, (laughs) I'll take it. Parents, can we talk for a half second? I got three kids. Yeah. I have one that I'm pretty sure is sexually active. Um, here's the deal. You have to teach them to be responsible. Do I want them to be? No. Yeah, you don't want them to have... No mom is like, I really hope my, my daughter's having sex with multiple people. Daughter. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, I know. It. <laughs> um, but it doesn't matter what you want for them or not. Right. You have to look at the reality of what they're going to be doing. Yeah. You have to just give them all the information and let them be responsible with whatever they are or aren't going to do. Yep. I know that both my 19-year-old children drink. Do I like that? No. But I have given them all the information to do it responsibly. Put the Uber app on your phone. Yep. Don't drive. Make sure at my daughter, as a female. Oh, shit. Yeah. You are safe. Watch your drink or have your friend watch your drink or get a fucking new one or. Make sure you're around people that aren't going to take advantage of you. Exactly. Don't be around bad people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're going to do it regardless yeah you have to teach them to be responsible if they make those choices Mm -hmm. teaching them to be responsible if they choose to do things doesn't mean they're going to do that right i've put my daughter on the pill i've taught her about safe sex i've taught her if you're even though you're on the pill he needs to wear a condom because of stds Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean she's having sex because she's not it means that she knows how to be responsible when she chooses to make that choice. Yep. Exactly. It's just like it's just like anything. It's actually very much like school if you think about it. You have all this wealth of knowledge. You're only going to use pieces of it for maybe your career. Like you may hate math and love English and decide to be an English major. Great. But the point is you had the entire knowledge base. So when you needed that information, it was there. And that's the key. You know, yeah, what mean, you do with that information is up to you. Because, completely you know if your kids are gonna make the choice to do it you bet in my opinion you want them to do it with the correct knowledge mm-hmm. instead of what they're 
fucking asshole teenage <laughs> friends have told them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. we'll just pull out. Yeah. Exactly. Which you're gonna, um, have, you're gonna have grandchildren. Unexpected. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that's just one mom's opinion who has kids. raised some kids. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, also they're making these decisions, but they're also telling us they're making these decisions so mm-hmm. we can reiterate, okay, you're doing this. We may not like it. But since you're doing it, just make sure you're X, Y, and Z. Right. Absolutely. Otherwise, they're hiding it and we can't make sure they're being safe in their choices. Yeah, exactly. I mean, y'all probably think I'm a terrible parent, but... No, I, I, I mean, of course, I don't have kids, but I don't think you're a terrible parent. I think you've got phenomenal children that are doing incredible work. And one of them is about to be one of our BFFs because of her criminal knowledge, which leads us to, do you want to talk about murder today? I would love to talk about murder because <laughs> Sorry, they've been y'all. waiting like 45 minutes God. for the murder. Yeah. Hey, it's like bestie time. Hey, counties. Um, also, do you, I really want to shout out um, a podcast that I love. Do you want to shout out? Because I know you had one that you want to talk about, right? Or something you want to talk about? I actually want to shout out a couple of things. Okay. 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 Um, you go first. Okay. You go first. Um, Disturbingly Pragmatic is a new show. You probably heard a promo that was incredibly loud. Sorry about that. On one of our previous episodes. Adorbs. We love them. They're Canadian friends with our friend True Crime Cat Lawyer. So heads up. Take a listen to them. What did you have? Oh, and our presence. We have lots of... Yeah, that's what I want to shout out. I want to shout out our friend Dawn, who sent us these amazing leggings. I'm snapping. Amazing leggings. (laughs) Yes. Um... Jessie will probably wear hers when she works out. Fuck yeah. I'm going to wear mine as I sit on the couch and drink tequila <laughs> or wine. Hell yeah. Um, Multi-purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do with mine. <laughs> um, we love them. Thank you, Dawn. Thanks, Dawn. I also want to shout out um, our friends Liz and Misty over at Talking Chitter Mm-hmm. They sent us these awesome fucking bookmarks. Yes. Which another podcast you have to listen to if you're not already. Yes, they are. I love them. I am going to go to Louisiana and meet them someday. Uh, by the way, my speaking of Louisiana, my trip to the prison rodeo. It's not happening? It's being delayed until uh-huh. I think there's another one in October. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Halloween. Hell yeah, it is. There's a whole situation. I don't want to get into it. No worries. Um, they sent us these bookmarks. They're badass. <laughs> we love them. One side has the most gorgeous design on it. Yeah, it's like foil uh, embossed with yes. like stars Suns and moons and stars. Beautiful, gorgeous. And then you flip it over <laughs> and it says cunt. I love the fanciness of the, the the font of cunt. It's like Times New Roman and just so I love gorgeous. it. I'm not taking mine out of the plastic, but I'm still no. gonna use it in the plastic. Same, same. Because I'm like a meme all like that. Well, I, well, for me, I'm also spill prone, so my fucking ass will get that shit wet and it'll be all screwed up. So, yeah. It's just like a meme all with plastic. On the couch. <laughs> the couch. I got um. an issue, and then. Last but not least, our friends at That Damn Podcast What's sent up? us, like, 
a plethora of stickers. Insane amount of stickers. Also, gotta shout out weak dick energy stickers, which if you don't want to get that sticker, I don't know why you don't. It's okay, <laughs> it's incredible. It was the one that's like a energy drink can, personally. Yeah. And it says weak dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weak dick what? energy drink. So thank you, Dawn, Misty, Liz, and Dawn. And Dawn. Holy shit. There's two Dawns. Dawn. Dawn and Dawn. Liz, Dawn. <laughs> and uh, Paul and Dave over at Disturbingly Pragmatic Adorbs. We love you all. Yes. And as always, thank you, cunties, for listening to us. Seriously. Yes. I mean, y'all don't need to send us anything. We love you anyways. Oh, because, absolutely. You know what? All three of you listening is all we need. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so who do you got for us today? Because I'm really like itching. I'm chomping okay, at the bit. Here. I'm going to tell you all about him, and you're still not going to know who he is. And then I'm going to tell you who it is. Okay. Because it's two things in one. Ooh. You'll, you'll see. Y'all, cunties, you'll see. Harold Carlson was born um, February 1st, 1909. <gasps> I'm taking it back. I have a 1909 or two. That's weird. Okay, good going. Third eye. That is weird. Okay. In New York, um, to Harry and Molly. Harry was a Pol- was a Polish printer's clerk, and Molly was from Russia, and they had both fled Eastern Europe to escape um, repression. Harry and Molly were um, part of more than the 13.5 million immigrants that came to the United States from places like Poland, Italy, Slovakia during the 1900s. Um, Harry and Molly settled in Queens, and Harold grew up the eldest of a total of four children. A sociology professor at the univer- at the City University of New York, Richard Alba, describes this as the Times of the tales of rags to riches because this is when the second generation of immigrants moved from the lower middle class into the professional world. So all these immigrants came, but then their children worked hard, went to college. Mm -hmm. And then they became working class, Mm -hmm. essentially middle class citizens. Wow. They went from the lower middle class into the professional world and into the actual like upper middle class. So, um, Harold was actually sent to medical school when he showed that he was smart and an entrepreneur, and he became what all Jewish parents want, my son, the doctor. Oh, absolutely. Doctor, lawyer. Doctor, lawyer. I was so excited to say that. My son, the doctor. (laughs) Hey, Don, did we do it right? Did we do the New York accent, the Long Island accent right? Let us know. I didn't, so don't (laughs) tell me. Don't, don't. I can't take the negative. It makes me so sad. <laughs> so Harold cons- decided to pack his bags and move all the way to the West Coast in Southern California. He got a job at a physician's office in Inglewood, and he proceeded to publish several papers on neurology. And then he became a cardiology professor at the USC School of Medicine. So all in all, you could say that Harold was successful. I mean, he was a doctor. And he wasn't just a doctor. Um, he was a successful doctor. He published papers, and now he is a professor. Professor. And his personal life began to flourish because he married Lillian Silver. She was also a second-generation immigrant, and she was from 
Chicago Falls, Ohio. Once they married, they had three children together, Judy, Debbie, and Joel. So looking from the outside in, Harold had the dream family. He turned the family's life around. Immigrant parents becomes a doctor. He's living the dream. So much so, they purchased their dream home. Um, they purchased a home in the hills of L.A. It was a Spanish revival-style home in the Los Feliz neighborhood at 2475 Glendower Place for $60,000. Today's money, that would be $699,953.53. Sorry, I'm just going to reel back real quick here. How many bedrooms and how many baths? How, how big was this home? I'm going to tell you. Because I'm about to be infuriated. Because you cannot get a house in Glendale for $600,000, let alone how many? I'm going to tell you all about the house in a second. Awesome. But first, I'm going to tell you that I'm talking about the Las Feliz murder house <gasps> oh, and girl. the murder that took place there. Okay, okay, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, so this is in the 70s, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, I know of it. I don't know enough about it. I think the only... The main thing I know about it is Boogie Nights. So go. I'm excited. Oh my God. Okay, so we got a guy who is extremely smart. He's a doctor. He's a professor. Very intelligent. He marries this bitch. They move into this incredible home. Mm -hmm. And again, adjusting for inflation, guys. $700,000 home mm -hmm. in a very exclusive neighborhood in California. Yeah. Things are fucked right now, guys. So, <laughs> we got two things here. Okay. We have murder, mm -hmm. and we have the Las Feliz house. I'm telling you about the Las Feliz murder house. Oh, I love it. Okay, let's go. Because you think you know, but you don't know. Oh, shit. This just means she went onto the dark side of Reddit to find this information. <laughs> I don't use Reddit as a source. That's somebody else in the room. You should. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> Kidding. Keep going. And that's how we get trolls Leaving us nasty <laughs> messages. So, first let me tell you a little bit about the Las Feliz house. It was originally designed in 1925 for Harry F. Schumacher. It was designed by architect Harry E. Weiner. Weiner. I'm going to say Weiner. Weiner. Why? Because it's funny. Hilarious. I'm 12. Yeah. Um, so, when Harry Schumacher died, the house was sold on December 6, 1932. I want you to remember the date of December 6th in the back of your little teeny tiny brains. Got a little it. bit. Remember that. Okay. So, the next owner was Frederick Zelnick. Frederick was an influ influential producer and director for German silent films. And he was forced to flee from Germany to London after Hitler came into power in 1933. He moved to Los Angeles where he can continued to pursue movies until he died in 1950. In the 1950s is when Harold bought the house for his family. And this is how I describe how we know Harold made it in life. Where, you know, based on how he started from his parents coming to America. Right. So basically the home was kind of like part of his new status symbol. Mm -hmm. Got it. So this was a 12-bedroom home with terraced lawns and a magnificent view. Oh, my God. I'm so mad right now. I'm so mad. 
a 12 bedroom home for $700,000. Think about that y'all in California, in California, in one of the best neighborhoods possible. So I, I wrote, shut the fuck up y'all. I want to live here. Harold adopt me. Seriously. I want to, let's all go back in time. This is where I do want to go back in time and buy a house back then. Yeah, and just exactly. sit on it. Okay. <laughs> so let me tell you about the house. It had a tiled entrance and stairway that led up to the living room, a glass conservatory, a dining room, a den, a breakfast room, and kitchen. Gorgeous. A kitchen upstairs on the second floor. Ooh. Had four master bedrooms and three baths. Well, the third floor had a bar and a ballroom. Ugh. A ballroom. Seriously, I can't with this mess. That is... It sounds incredible. A ballroom. It, it sounds okay. gorgeous. It is because I've seen pictures. Is it... Okay, so real quick. What style is it? Is it um, like Art Deco style I, or I more traditional? I told you earlier. You weren't Sorry, listening. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I forgot. I forgot already. Spanish Revival. Spanish Revival. Oh, okay, so we're talking about like... Like wrought iron vibe uh, staircases, and we also have like maybe Spanish tiling. I'm assuming probably. Okay, got it. Okay, still incredibly gorgeous. So there was also staff quarters on the property, but Harold and his family did not have any staff. They only had a teenage babysitter that one of the neighbors' kids would come and watch their kids whenever they went out. You know, you know, how you babysitters do. Yeah. Um. Okay. Back to Harold. So not only was Harold a physician and a professor, but he also um, was an injection specialist. And on December 30th, 1938, he actually filed a patent for a medical device that he invented. So what this was, it was an attachment to a hypodermic syringe that was designed to inject drugs directly from a sealed glass capsule to reduce to reduce the danger of contamination and spillage oh so he was the one correct me here obviously that invented the you stick the syringe in the bottle thing and then you no i'm gonna show you a picture okay okay my bad my bad i'm just trying to understand so he's basically revolutionizing He's an incredibly intelligent person, yes. obviously. Like, so he's also revolutionizing the medical industry. Yes. Okay, got it. So Herod actually spent a decade working on this device. And in 1949, he entered into a verbal agreement with Edward Scheistack and Harold Holt. Edward would turn just an idea into a medical wonder. So Harold and Edward agreed to split the profits. Sure. So Harold and Lillian, his wife, they actually contributed $24,496, which is $285,767.69 in today's money. (laughs) And Lillian herself contributed $7,000 from her own personal savings, which is $81,661.24. Oh, man. So here is a picture Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so similar to what, what you kind of thinking, but it kind of like the syringe is like attached to yeah, the kinda, yeah. bottle, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So according to court records, Edward spent more, 11 more years developing this magic syringe, but he did not have any plans to let, um, did I say Harold or Edward? 
A herald, I believe. Well, court records said Edward spent a little more years spelling the magical speech. Oh, okay. okay. Edward. Sorry. It's okay. Um, but he did not have any plans to let Harold in on any of the profits. And on July 21st, 1952, Harold filed a court complaint that Edward was using a fake name and he ran away with the rights to his syringe. And in court, he said that if Edward used a fake name and a fake company and fraudulently ran away with... All the money, all the profits. All the profits and the device and everything. And Harold was like, what the fuck? And Harold was double-crossed. So Harold was pissed off and he was like, I ain't having none of this. And he demanded $100,000 in compensation. Yeah, of course. So in today's money, that would be $10,601,000,000. I didn't put decimals, (laughs) y'all. I'm having a... Did we tell y'all we're having a hot mess at Express Day? We're having one of those days, y'all. Sorry about that. So $1,060,935.85. But honestly, that, I mean, dude, if he said share the profits and he's like, look, just give me a million and I'll be out. You know, like that's, that seems fair to me, honestly, considering how much work was put into this thing between the two of them and this guy stole all your shit. Yeah. Well, like all. Seemingly. At well, this like point. <laughs> all cases like this, it was long, it was drawn out, and Naturally. after nearly two years um, of this expensive, basically silly proceedings in the court, the court awarded Harold $23,956, which is $254,157.79. So you got like a quarter of what he wanted. Yes. All right. And as far as I know, no syringe has ever been out on the market. So it was kind of a ridiculous waste of time and money for everyone. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, yeah. I mean... Because I've never seen a syringe like that. That's why I had to ask you, what? wait, what? Yeah. So it didn't even come yeah. to market. Yeah, it okay. was... It was ridiculous. So it just kind of seems like bad luck just... Followed Harold everywhere because on November 3rd, 1957, Judy was driving her brother and sister in their father's 1952 Oldsmobile. I mean, you know that was the shit back then. Absolutely. That shit was made of metal, too. You get hit by an Oldsmobile, you're going to die. That thing was all metal. There was no carbon fiber, nothing. And she was crossed the intersection of Vermont and Los Feliz Boulevard. And she collided with another driver. Oh, shit. Um, Judy suffered hand and knee injuries, a concussion, and severe shock. Her younger brother, Joel, had a head injury and, quote-unquote, severe shock to the nervous system. While her sister, Deborah, only had her cheek sliced open. Hmm. Eleanor Keller, who was the other driver, claimed that Judy, who was only 16 at the time, had driven through a red light without looking... But I kind of feel like Harold would have been the one to sue McDonald's over the hot coffee. Um, right. So you're like, mm, I really do because he sued the Car- the Keller family, claiming that Eleanor's carelessness and negligence caused the crash. Girl, you no. It's the other way around. Like you're crossing. So he yeah. sued for twenty thousand dollars, which was about two hundred thousand dollars. In damages for each daughter. 
So two hundred grand for each daughter, and then ten grand, which is a hundred grand for his son. So that's a total of five half a mil. Yeah, for everybody. Y'all, he actually won. He won? This is silly. I can't. It's just like the person who won the hot coffee McDonald's lawsuit. Now, I'm going to want one step you there. I I was with you on that hot coffee thing. Did a little bit more research. She got burnt to shit. So, bitch, you knew the coffee was hot. I know. I'm just I, saying. We're I'm not, just saying. We're not doing this. Moving past. Yeah. Um but he did not win the full amount of money. Um and is and is asking for he was asking for and actually he only won enough to cover the medical bills so he actually wasted the family's money on the lawsuit because he only got medical bill money and he didn't get lawsuit money so suck it Harold yeah damages suck a dick Harold so let's talk a little bit about Judy in 1959, Judy actually wrote her aunt a letter, and the letter said, quote, My family are on the merry-go-round again. Same problems, same worries, only tenfold. My parents, so to speak, are in a bind financially. End quote. I have to let you know that during this time, Harold had a bad couple of coronaries, and they put him on the coronary ward because it seemed like stress due to financial problems was taking his toll on his health. Mm. So, now back to Judy. Judy went to Barrister High School. She's popular. She's a member of the, ready? Gold Girls League. Stop. Stop. I don't know what that is. I don't either, but it feels like... I meant to look it up and I forgot. (sighs) Okay. It sounds like... I actually have no fucking idea. Like, it could be Glee Club. This could be a cheerleading squad. Like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Is this an honor society? Like, what is happening? No, you don't have to look it up. I'm just like, of all the vague-ass names you can call a fucking high school club, like, you find the most vague name. I really meant to look it up. Um, But it's one of those things where, like, Okay, I'm going to go look this up when I'm done. And then, and then you just forget. fucking forget. Yeah, I do that all the time. I do it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to get into this like whole other side thing. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, no, dude. Um, so, anyhow. She yeah. was that. Okay. And um, she was secretary of the student body. Outside of the school, she was... Okay, this is the best. An usherette at the Huntington Heart Theater. Which is on which was on Hollywood and Vine. So this theater was 1950s bougie. It was white Vermont marble with gold fittings. Like I'm thinking Taj Mahal, white gold, <laughs> gold accessory doorknobs. Yeah. You know, great, amazing. I want to yeah. go there. Yeah. Take I'm with me, you. Take me back. Let Judy take me to my seat. I know, dude. Like, I, okay, so maybe the Gold Society is like an honor society because if she's already like kind of scholarly, you know, and doing all this extracurricular thing, that kind of fits with that. So I'm with you. I love a good old theater. My God, there are some incredible old theaters that you just walk in and you're like, oh, you can just feel like the the people who sat there before you and the plays before, you know. I'm just saying. I'm like, with you. 
100%. You told me white marble and gold accessories, <laughs> and I'm like, Taj Mahal, take yeah. me there. You're like, and, and then you have like a dress, like a 50s dress, and your hair is all done, you're looking cute, you got red lipstick, and your nails just, did. Oh, I know, I know. And it, oh, okay, so Judy loved shopping, especially for shoes, and Hello. she was just living her best life. She was a girl. Yeah. Yeah. She was a girl in the 50s, like, That's, I'm loving yeah. her. She was definitely not a pink lady. No, the opposite. She was more of like a Sandy. More of a Sandy. Wouldn't you say? I would say she is... Or a Frenchie. Yes, I was going to say Frenchie. Ooh. She's a Frenchie. Yeah, okay. Okay. But Harold was in a downward spiral, so ah, Harold shit. seemed to lose his ambition and all the things that drove him to succeed before. Inventing, healing, helping others... So during the summer of 1959, Harold began reading more depressing books. Um, so maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise when at 4.30 a.m. on December 6th, 1959. <gasps> okay, real quick. I'm going to beat this asshole. What zodiac sign is that? Like, what's happening? Is Mercury in retrograde? Do we have a Uranus situation going on? You know what I mean? You can shove that up Uranus because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll go to the Google. You keep going. Okay. Harold hit his wife Lillian so hard in the head with a ball-peen hammer, <gasps> it left an inch white hole in the back of her head, and she didn't even have a chance to scream. Ball peen hammers scare me, guys. Like, just because I'm such a true crime fan, like, that is the hammer of choice for some fucking reason. And even if someone has it for a completely, it's actual use, it just scares the shit out of me. I don't know what use that is for except murder. Murder, somebody. exactly. So Thank you. Is oh it a coincidence God. that House sold on December 6, 1932, and then this tragedy occurred the same day 23 years later? I don't know. Sag. Sagittarius. What is it? December 6, 19 what? Not 32. The other one. 59. 1959. Okay. Got it. Keep going. So Harold walked out of the master bedroom and went into Judy's bedroom and hit Judy without warning. But for whatever reason, Judy only caught a glancing blow and started screaming. Yes, she did. Who the fuck wouldn't? The scream was so loud that the neighbors were woken up. Harold told Judy to lie still and keep quiet. Oh my yes, God. that's what the fuck I'm going to do when somebody comes at me with a ball peen hammer. Absolutely not. I don't care who it is. I'm screaming my fucking ass off. But Judy was a fighter and she didn't do either. She somehow escaped Harold and ran into her parents' bedroom where she found her mother. Judy then ran down the hallway, down the stairs, and out the front door. Judy began banging on neighbors' doors trying to get someone to help her. Oh, wow. Good job, Judy. Also, I mean, bless her, right? That's, she's just like, look, help. Oh, my God. So while Judy was desperately trying to get help back at the house, the younger two Carlson children had woken up to Judy's screams, and Harold told them to go back to sleep no. because it was a nightmare. Oh, my God. I mean, yes, sir, it was a nightmare, it's but like it's a, really fucking happening. Like a, a living nightmare. This is insane. So Harold walked away with blood dripping on the floor. <gasps> While this was going on, a neighbor, Marshall Ross, was walking up to the Pearlson home. When he got there, he found 11-year-old Debbie and 13-year-old Joel 
on the first floor. So Marshall went up to the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> she did like a finger motion of like walking, walking, walking upstairs. Oh, I love it. So Marshall went up to the second floor where he found Harold. Harold told him to go home. Don't bother me. Harold went into the bedroom, putting, pulling out bottles of pills. <gasps> Harold pulled apart two capsules of Nimbutal, a barbiturate that is known as death in a bottle. What and the a fuck? favorite of suicide seekers. Does it? This does, is what killed Judy Garland. Does that still? Do we still have Nimbutal and healthcare workers out there? Because why would you want a pill that exists on the planet that's called that? So Harold oh mixed the powder from the capsules with the water in the sink and drank it. To seal the deal, Harold also took 31 small white pills thought to be codeine or a tranquilizer. Oh, shit. Then went back into the bedroom and lied down on the bed to wait for the drugs to kick in. All the while, Marshall was watching all this go down. Can you imagine seeing this? Marshall has a brass pair of balls just to hang out and see what's going to happen next. Sleep. Seriously. And also, Marshall, why are you not going to the phone? Well, yeah, why aren't you, like, screaming stop or trying to stop him or, and like that, like, grabbing the phone off the wall, like, holy shit, this I, guy's I, killing himself in front of me? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm so confused. Well, I'm but also, so confused. In, in his defense, like, I'm, I'm sure this is one of those moments where you're so in shock, like, is this really fucking happening that you just, you don't, you freeze. You're like... Oh, my God. Or Marshall's like me and you're really bad in emergency situations and you're like, the fuck? <laughs> like, what's happening? So it took all of 15 minutes for LABPD to reach the Perilson home at 5.15 a.m. Oh, my God. Detectives Anderson and Pozo, P-O-Z-Z-O, Pozo, showed up and found Harold on the floor with his head on his daughter's pillow covered in her blood with the ball peen hammer still in his hand. Harold was still alive, but he would not survive for the ambulance to arrive and save him. Mm. So sad. I mean, Harold, I hate to say it, but you didn't do good at the end there, bud. Sorry, Harold. Yeah. While the police were looking through the house, they gathered up the rest of the pills and put them on the dresser in his bedroom. While doing this, they found a copy of Dante's The Divine Comedy open to Canto 1 on the nightstand next to Perilston's bed. So Dante's Divine Comedy is an Italian narrative poem that is an imaginative version of the afterlife as the soul travels through hell, purgatory, and heaven. And Canto 1 says, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark where the straightforward pathway had been lost. Mm-hmm. It's very poetic way to go out. And so, yeah, it's so gorgeous. Well, but also, come on, man. Take with that what you will. Right. Because I take it with a grain of fucking salt. Yeah. I think he was fucking insane. And you're going to find out here in a hot second. Bye. So Lillian didn't actually die from the blow to the head. She died from asphyxiation from drowning in her own blood. God. That's awful. So, remember how Harold had coronaries? Yeah. Remember how he was in the hospital for his coronaries? Right. Harold didn't have any coronaries. What? He was in the hospital for suicide attempts, and he was on the verge of being committed because of the multiple attempts. Who? 
Why are we not telling people these things? Isn't that supposed to be like a thing where you're supposed to tell your significant other? Right? Isn't that kind of like one of those things you tell your husband or wife? Hey, by the way. I think Lillian knew. Lillian was actually going to be the one to commit him. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I'll, so we uh, all know. I, I'm sorry. I'm Go sorry ahead. to keep interrupting you, but no, now I'm kind of, okay, this is the 1950s. Uh-huh. Okay, got it. So this looks bad. Mm-hmm. This is a bad look for him. So they're mm-hmm. going to like make an excuse of whatever they need to make. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Like, I just figured, he I just picked up what you're putting down there. He couldn't be the physician that was trying to kill himself. No. So they told everyone it was coronary. Right. From stress. Right, right. Okay, got it. Got it. But Lillian was going to commit him. Mm-hmm. She was working with the doctors to get him committed. Because she's like, yeah, no, this is not going to be good. Which right. is a, which is a honestly a good thing she's trying to help him right here okay prove me wrong right (laughs) actually no she hated him continue so we all know the house the family lived in is the Los Feliz murder house if you don't know anything about it let me refresh your memory this house was left untouched and uninhabited for years People have said they could see 1950s style TV, a Christmas tree wrapped presents, and furniture covered in thick dust. And it is all believed that this is from the Pearson family. So is this ring a bell? Mm-hmm. The house with the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all, if you want to keep that memory alive, turn it off now. Hit the skip button a few times. Because that's not the story. It's not. Wait. The Pearson stuff in the house. So wait, what? 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 What do you mean? Explain. Well. So I've told Harold Pearson's story. Now I'm going to tell you the story about the house. Remember, I said it's a twofer. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you the story about the Los Feliz house. Please. So after the murder, the house sat empty until 1960 when Emily and Julian Enriquez purchased the house at a probate auction. But for some reason, the Enriquez family never moved into the house and just used the home as storage. Okay. Must be nice to have that kind of money also. Yeah. And for some reason, they never moved in and they never, but they never moved the Pearson's. Stuff out? out. What? Okay. Well, but but also, if they're just using it for storage, I can see why. They're like, eh, fucking who cares? But at the same time, like, uh, I don't know. I'm one of those people that would be like, I don't want this creepy-ass shit in my home. I don't care if it's for storage or not. Right? So when anyway. Julian and Emily passed away, their son Rudy inherited the house. And he was not interested in living in the house either. So it continued to sit empty. And he just used it for storage. Okay. So what about the Christmas tree and presents? Because the Pearson family was Jewish. Uh-huh. So that wasn't theirs. Okay. Well, there is an urban legend that another family did rent the property for a short time after the murders. Um, but was not told of the horror that took place. And then on the anniversary of the murder-suicide... The family fled the house in such a hurry, they left 
everything behind, including their Christmas presents. Oh, tell me about this. That's all I know about that. That's it? It's an urban legend? Mm -hmm. I like that shit. So, I don't know if that's true, but Rudy says that they use the house for storage for belongings. um, That he used the house for storage for belongings left to him by friends who had passed away. Um, But he never had an... Good expl- or he never had an explanation for the Christmas tree and presents. And also, Rudy, how many friends do you have that die that leave you stuff? Because now I'm <laughs> sus about you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my friend, uh, they died like, again. Wait, how what? How many friends do you have yeah. that die that you need a whole house for storage? For real. For real. <sighs> yeah. Uh. I mean, that's yeah. suspicious, Rudy. Mm-hmm. So, a friend of a neighbor once tried to sneak into the house at night through the back door, but the alarm sounded. She was also bitten by a black widow spider and had to seek medical treatment. Two nights later, her back door alarm in her house kept going off, but nobody was there. Mm -hmm. She said it was like a ghost was following us. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I don't mess with the supernatural or ghost, but I guess it's all what you personally believe. Was it Harold that followed her home, Lillian, or was it just a malfunctioning alarm system at her house? I don't know. That's poltergeist activity, if you ask me. In other words, like it normally attaches to a female entity, normally going through puberty at the time, and follows that person and or creates havoc around the, the, the girl going through it. And then it will follow you house to house. So if it had been living there and Judy was dead or Judy wasn't around, then that makes sense. I'm right? just saying, like, this is like... It would follow the next female who comes into the home and then... This I, happened after everyone died. Like, right, I, right. I yeah. Okay. So the home's alarm system does go off, go off in the middle of the night randomly. Hmm. Um, is it looky loose trying to get into the house or is it something more unexplainable? Hmm. I'm going to go with looky loose because looky loose, they actually have caught people having picnics in the backyard of this I house. I mean, who wouldn't? It's so fucking goth and, you know, like one of those I things. I don't mess with ghosts, so I would not have picnic at the house. <laughs> no. That's just me. So Rudy Enriquez, the son mm-hmm. of the people that bought it after the Pearsons passed away. He passed away in June 2015 uh-huh. with no heirs. So the house was put up for sale the next year. Real estate agents had to clean out the house to get it ready for sale. And the house finally hit the market in March 2016 for $2.75 million. There it is. Even though the house had been neglected for decades, it was still a beautiful home. I mean... I'm going to be real. I love historic homes. Oh, yeah. Same. It is my jam. Mm-hmm. If I could find one and buy it and move there, I would. Yep. So an attorney, Lisa Bloom, and her husband purchased the home July 18th, 2016 for $2.2895 million. Lisa has said that she doesn't believe in ghosts or spirits and the house didn't do anything wrong. So she had no problems buying it. Um, Lisa and her husband began the huge task of remodeling the house, Um, but they never lived in the house either. And then seemingly 
out of left field in May of 2019, the house was back on the market, originally listed for $3.5 million and sold for $2.35 million. On December 10th, 2020, Lisa spoke out and said that it was the red tape of trying to remodel the house that made them decide to sell. Since they were improving more than 50% of the home, it would require them to bring the whole house up to code, which would mean tearing down the house and regrading the hills the house sits on. And who wants to mess with that? Seriously. Okay, so yeah, the house is completely gutted. And I don't know what happened to it after they bought it in December of 2020. That's it? Mm Mm-hmm. Girl. Oh, my God. Now I want to, like hear from people around the area okay listeners if you're in and around the area if y'all know urban legends if you've heard things if you've had experiences in the house please fucking email us dm us on instagram see you next tuesday podcast um see underscore podcast on twitter tiktoks see you next tuesday podcast and of course see you next tuesday podcast at gmail please let us know because i, I love mean, an urban legend i don't want the house to yeah. I don't either. I just, by the way, I just Googled it just to see what it looks like. It is a gorgeous home. It very, very pretty. gorgeous. Like, it makes me so sad that this house, I closed my notes. I think it was built in 1925. Yeah, it has that like 1920s Spanish look to it where it's a little art deco, but it has like a very pretty, like, like the ceilings are flat. And then like, like it has like um, those... Know, like archway but you windows, the terrace yard, the terrace yard, which and is that's very pretty. What they're saying is not yeah. current, not code anymore. Mm. And because they were renovating more than fifty percent of the house, it had to be brought up to code. Wow! And so they're going to have to tear down the house to regrade that. Gotcha. Oh yeah, and I'm looking inside the house. There's like a bar with bar stools and everything. It's it's beautiful, honestly. I would say if anyone did want to like invest in it and like redo it, make it look new. But then like if you want to do a tourist kind of attraction of the of the haunted mansion type thing, do it. That would be an ideal investment. You know what I mean? I would absolutely invest in something like well, that. Well, it's already been cleaned out and gutted. Yeah. You would have had to do that before you before the gutting. Gut oh, damn. Man, how cool. How crazy. That's fascinating. So family annihilator. What a fucking loser, man. I hate I mean, those guys. He only got his wife. Yeah, but still, he was trying. He was doing the whole like, oh, I can't make it because of financial reasons, so therefore everybody has to come with me. It's like, bro, You know, chill. I really, like, if you didn't waste all your money suing all these fucking people, you wouldn't have lost all your money. I think maybe he was suing people because he lost his money. I think that, you know? then how do you lose the money? Well, because like, okay, well, first of all, the guy stole his patent, essentially. So there's that. That was the first kind of hit. So I think maybe he was overliving his means I, and then he was counting on that money. You know what I, I mean? think he had depression. Uh, that too. Yeah. Both of these things can be, yeah. Yeah. And that's a real thing. Uh, I mean, shit. I, I think it's interesting how they used to hide it. Oh, you know, he just had a couple of coronaries. What are you going to do? So you got a twofer. You got the person and you got the house. God, that's a good one. Hell yeah, girl. Good job.
Gothendag, and a hearty greeting. The Crime Viking here, with a quick plug for my new true crime podcast. And your host, See You Next Tuesday podcast, has been so kind as to lend me your ears, and I didn't even have to raise an axe to remove them first. I'm a new podcast from the UK, but with ambitions to take over the world. Podcasting is like a family, but hopefully not like the ones covered by See You Next Tuesday. Our first foray into the waters takes us to the land of Mercia, which is the posh way of saying Stoke-on-Trent, England, where Wedgwood and Royal Dalton pottery comes from. Our maiden voyage examines the tragic murder of midwife Samantha Eastwood, whose remorseless killer was likened by police to the infamous Sowen murderer, Ian Huntley. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at CrimeViking. I'm also still taking case recommendations, so it's your chance to steer a course and pledge yourself to a life at sea with your captain, the Crime Viking. Episode 1 now out on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, and all good podcast hosts. Once again, at CrimeViking on social media. Come, join the Oath Sworn. You ready to nerd out? Am Again? I gonna nerd out or are yeah. you gonna nerd out? Me. Am I gonna be sitting here like what? Maybe yeah. not. You probably know who this person is, or at least I hope you do. Okay. It's the man who helped me learn about the stars, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Seriously? Nothing. I'm getting nothing from you for the Neil deGrasse Tyson? The guy, the Nova guy. The fucking Okay. Neil deGrasse Tyson (laughs) is an astrophysicist, and he was born on October 5th, 1958. He's a Libra. Okay, so I have this new thing where I, like, Google the star sign. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why. I think we've taken a turn. We've taken a turn into Crystalville. No, it's the fact that I think also... We're renaming the podcast Zodiac. (laughs) The Zodiac Killers. Actually, you might have something there. You might have something there. Patented. Patented. We thought of it first. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Mar- On, uh, Saturday, March 6th, March 11.20 a.m. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was born in the Bronx. He was the second of three kids. He was a middle child. So his dad, Cyril, was a sociologist and HR commissioner for the New York City mayor, John Lindsay, and his mom, Sanchita, was from Puerto Rico. And I'm was sorry, a, what was his dad's name? Uh, Cyril. And then his mom's name was Sanchita, which I think is really cute and pretty. Um, she was a gerontologist, which is the study of aging and like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did not know what that was until this episode. Yeah, um, I knew that. How'd you know that? That's so cool. It's a long story. Okay, fair. I mean, everything in my life is a long story because I'm a storyteller. And that's true. And that's why this podcast fits so well with you. I'm like, why are you interrupting me? I got a story to tell. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she was a gerontologist for the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. And his dad was even the first director director of the Harlem Youth Opportunities Unlimited which helped young black people growing up in Harlem increase their opportunities for education and employment. 
I looked it up. It's still around. It got merged with another um, institution, but it is still around. So holla. At age nine, he went to Hayden to the Hayden Planetarium at the Museum of Natural History. And this is where he originally fell in love with the stars. He said that it was, quote, so strong was that imprint of the night sky that I'm certain that I had no choice in the matter, that in fact, the universe called me. Oh, you meant like the stars in the sky, not like famous people? No, no, honey. I can't believe you don't know how Neil deGrasse Tyson is. You know how much I love famous people? He's fucking famous as shit. No, like next time you refer to stars, I'm going to need it to be famous people. Oh, don't worry. No, I... Hmm. I'm ahead of you, honey. Don't worry. Wait until you hear about my next trophy, Dad. You'll be... Yeah. So, mm, Neil... I'm sorry. I'm going to one-up you on the trophy dad situation. Oh! Oh! That's a trophy dad off? Watch this. Shit. I'm going to have to rearrange my trophy dad. <laughs> so, Neil loved the stars so much that he started taking classes at the planetarium during high school and would study astronomy constantly as a teen. Who does that sound like? Podson. Studying history after history class is over. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Isn't that incredible? So he even gave lectures as a teen on the stars at 15 years old at the planetarium. So he was very into it from a very young age. During his classes, his virtual model, Mark Chartrand III, director of the planetarium then, helped him learn in a fun way by mixing humor with knowledge, and he later adopted this as his same, like, style. Is he on that show, Ancient Aliens? (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) No, he is not on Ancient Aliens because he's not a cryptozoologist. (laughs) Stars, aliens. It's in no no way the same. Ancient Aliens is totally different. This guy actually studies, like, astrophysics. Yeah, it's like actual, like the actual study of planets and what happens to planets and binary stars and things like that. You never took them in college as like an, you know, because you have to take science and shit a certain amount. Would you like to know what science I took? Yeah. No, that's not. Oh, science. Do you want to know what science I took? Did yeah. Get my degree because science and math ain't my thing. Horticulture. You got a chance to take horticulture. Dude, they literally, at UT, they were literally like, well, you could take astronomy or biology. And at first I was thinking, okay, biology, because that seems more easy, right? Uh, fuck that. This bitch is over here like, so cellular biology. And I'm like, okay, I'm out. Bye. So I I took astronomy and I I was hooked. I grew and trimmed a bonsai tree. Mm Mm-mm. Well, no wonder. I had to take fucking, I had to learn that a parsec was like a whole mathematical equation and shit. I, I don't even know what that word you just said was. A parsec? It's a measure of distance, not time. Uh-uh, got nothing. Sorry, Han. I took holder, horticulture. I learned that bananas raven because they're connected to the stem, but if you take them apart and wrap each individual one in foil, they're not going to They're gonna slow down the ripening process because it has to do with the um, fertilization of... Female and male situations. How did you get to learn actual useful knowledge about science that helps you in your future life? And I learned about a parsec. Because I went to Texas Tech and you went to fucking orange, ugly orange cow school. I'm sorry. Ugly orange cow school is a very good school. Thank you so much. Hook them. We're going to fight. I love you. Anyway. (laughs) 
I'm this sorry. is Texas. You learned about what? About what? That you use when? Hey, you know what? I could trim a bonsai tree like no way it's fucking business. And my nanners ripen when I want them to because I can manipulate the situation. Well, you just told everybody, so now I can too, so. <laughs> and they're thanking me and they're like, what the fuck is she talking about? I'm talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, I still know who he is, but go. Neil graduated the Bronx High School of Science in 1976 at 18, and even Carl Sagan. Do you know who that is? Nope. Oh my God, Carl Sagan? He was like on PBS and shit, like back in the 70s. Nope. Okay. Noticed him and tried to get him to go to Cornell, which is where he went to to college. Neil wrote about it in his book, The Sky is Not the Limit, of that saying, quote, my letter of application had been dripping with an interest in the universe. The admission office, unbeknownst to me, had forwarded my application to Carl Sagan's attention. Within weeks, I received a personal letter. He said that, quote, I already knew I wanted to become a scientist, but that afternoon I learned from Carl the kind of person I wanted to become. So Neil had already chosen Harvard pre this, so he was like, I'm not going to go to Cornell because I mean, I'm looking at Harvard. Harvard. And he received a, <laughs> yeah, a BA in physics in 1980, was a member of the crew team, wrestling team, and even danced. And he danced a bunch of different shit, which I thought was kind of cool. Ballet, Afro-Caribbean, Latin ballroom, and jazz. Yes. So I have a question. How do you get a BA in physics? Because that's Bachelor's of Arts. And you would think that a physics degree would be a Bachelor's of Science. Well, maybe it is a BS, but I that's what I typed. And so maybe it is a BS of Science. But I know I have a BS in European Studies. So make that make sense. I can. I learned this. Um, because I have kids in college. It's just whichever, if you're more heavy in science classes or more heavy in like arts classes. Oh, maybe maybe he was heavier in arts classes because he took all those ballet and, you know, dance type. I would just think a physics degree would be heavy in science. I know, I'm with you. But then how the hell is mine like a BS? Is it because like I took like economics and the government of Europe as like a major? Anyway, he then went to the University of Texas at Austin what, what, hook em, for his graduate degree where he got an M.A. in astronomy in 1983. So you're not going to believe this, but he actually didn't do as much lag work as he was supposed to. So you're thinking like the super smart, intelligent, sciencey guy would be like super into doing all his work and he wasn't. He even admitted this and some of his professors told him to consider a different career because when the committee for his dissertation saw him, it was dissolved, meaning he was not able to get his doctorate from UT because he didn't do all the lab work he was supposed to. Shit, dude, I get it. You're in your 20s. It's just nice to know that somebody who's like that smart is also a human being and was like, well, fuck this class. <laughs> I think it's because smart people tend to think they're smarter than everyone else and they're like, fuck you, I don't want to do it. Mm. I'm smarter than you. That could be it too, yeah. So during this time at UT, he met Alice Young at a physics class. Shocker. They got married in 1988 and had two children, Miranda and Travis. Miranda was named after the smallest of Uranus's five moons. Super nerd, but I think that's beautiful. I love that. I didn't know Miranda was the name of one of Uranus's moons, so now we know. Um, so instead, 
In the meantime, he became a lecturer in astronomy at the University of Maryland from 86 to 87. Then in 88, when he was 30, he got into the astronomy graduate program at Columbia, got his work done this time, and got an MPhil degree in astrophysics in 1989 and a PhD in astrophysics in 1991. He got his work done because he had kids he had to support now. No, that's right. His wife was like, bitch, you got to get your work done so we can Mom get paid. Needs, Mom needs diaper money. Exactly right. Um... He was also able to travel to hire students to help them with their studies because he was a professor that got NASA funding. So he traveled to Switzerland, Italy, Chile, and even South Africa. So a little bit of the what he's done. He has been the director of the Hayden Planetarium, the American Na- uh, Museum of Natural History, Princeton, and the University of Maryland. He researched cosmology, galactic astronomy, bulges, stellar evolution, and stellar formation. And he has written multiple books, including Just Visiting This Planet in 1998, the Sky is Not the Limit, Adventures of an Urban Astrophysicist Physicist in 2004. And the book that I actually have, it's literally in my room next door to us, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, 2017. <laughs> Which I love because, okay, so here's why I like Neil. I don't know, fuck about Dick, to borrow a line from Ozark about astrophysics or the universe but i love it like i literally geek out when i start to learn about it okay and i have stephen hawking's book over there too which is a little harder to understand than neil neil breaks it down even farther for us simpletons to understand because i find it fascinating but all the math a part of it i'm just like okay i can't i can't do this so that's what I like about him is he makes it understandable for the normal person. So very important question. Does he have a star named after him? Uh, no, but hold that thought. I'm glad you asked that. So just so you know, he was appointed by George W. to serve on the Commission on the Future of the U.S. Aerospace Industry in 2001. In 2004, he served on the President's Commission on Implementation of the U.S. Space Exploration Policy. He was awarded NASA's Distinguished Public Service Medal around this time as well. And he has been on the series Nova, Cosmos, A Spacetime Odyssey, and in 2020, Cosmos, Possible Worlds. You can probably find those on like any of the Hulu's, Netflix's, just depends on where it is at the time. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. But those are just the sciencey ones that he's been on. He also became a pop culture figure and has been on the show Stargate Atlantis, Bojack Horseman, and even The Simpsons. But what I really want to get into are his beliefs and everything besides the stars, I mean, which obviously he's an expert in. Neil is one of the few scientists that have made their personal views on issues known. He has said of faith and spirituality, quote, For me, when I say spiritual, I'm referring to a feeling you would have that connects you to the universe in a way that it may defy simple vocabulary. We think about the universe as an intellectual playground, which it surely is, but the moment you learn something that touches an emotion rather than just something intellectual, I would call that a spiritual encounter with the universe. Totally agree. He's basically like, look, believe what you want to believe, but that feeling you get when you're like connected with something bigger than you, that's spirituality, which yeah, totally. Yeah. So he doesn't believe in higher power. Um, instead, he said that his belief is an intelligent design. Uh, the belief of intelligent design, unfortunately, in our country has limited the progress of science. He said, quote, I'm constantly claimed by atheists. I find this intriguing. In fact, on my wiki page, which, yes, I did go to, <laughs> 
I didn't create the wiki page, others did, and I'm flattered that people cared enough about my life to assemble it. And it is said, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist, I said. Well, that's not really true. Neil deGrasse Tyson is an agnostic. Went back a week later, it said Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist again, within a week. And I said, what's with that? And I said, all right, well, I have a word. I have to word it a little differently. So I said, okay, Neil deGrasse Tyson, widely claimed by atheist, is actually an agnostic. So, you know, everybody wants to claim him on this side of the world because that's what they do in the atheist agnostic world. He's also an advocate for racial and social justice issues, which you didn't know already. Neil is a black man. He's a black scientist, and that has not been an easy road for him. He talked about his being black and a well-known scientist and how in one interview in 1989, quote, I'd never before in my life seen an interview with a black person on television and television for expertise that had nothing to do with being black. And at that point, I realized that one of the last stereotypes that had prevailed among people who carry those stereotypes is that sort of black people are somehow dumb. I wondered maybe that's a way to undermine this sort of stereotype that prevailed about who's smart and who's dumb. And I said to myself, I just have to be visible or others like me in that situation. That would have a greater force on society than anything else I could imagine. And I agree. He just just simply by him being there is huge representation. Ketanji Brown, Jackson. Do we even need to say anything else? You know what I mean? That's huge. That's a massive thing. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that really lately was why I really wanted to do him because he went on Ben Shapiro's YouTube channel. Do you know who that fucker is? Yes. I'm sorry. So Ben Shapiro, as you know, is not a fan of our friends of the LBGTQIA plus community at all because he is, how do you want to put it? Piece of shit. Man cunt? Man cunt? Yeah. So this one that I watched, unfortunately, I originally watched it on his YouTube and gave him a view. I'm sorry, everybody. I was like, shit, how do I find this on someone else's so I don't give him a view? And I did. So I linked it in our website. All our sources are there. Um, Ben believes that being transgender is not real. And Neil basically shuts him down and said, quote, I'm essentially paraphrasing here. Why do you care? We live in a free country with consenting adults. So why do you care? If we actually live in a free country, then what people do should not concern you and it doesn't affect you at all. And that's why I was like, hell yeah, Neil. Because he's right. 100%. And he's a scientist. You know what I'm saying? So if anybody's going to understand, I would think, you know, humanness in the fact that we're biological, it would be a scientist to go, why do you give a shit? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Really highly recommend watching it on anywhere but Ben Shapiro's YouTube channel. And I do have a link for somewhere else. Um, And I will say this. I'm going to caveat this by saying he has had his own controversies. He did come out in the Me Too movement as a potential for SA. There has been nothing substantiated. I'm not saying that those women are lying by any means. And I 1000% believe that if he is, he needs to be taken down like everybody else i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. tell you right now but i will say this i love that he loves what he does and because of that he makes me interested in the stars i just love 
people that are really passionate about what they do because they right. make you passionate about what they're interested in. Right, 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 right. So, and so further than otherwise, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson's a great trophy dad. His kids are so cute, by the way. Uh, they're just so adorable. His whole family, everybody. I, I'm really interested to see what he does next, but I also appreciate his views on, you know, the world as a whole because a lot of scientists kind of stay out of that and just like that he kind of weighs in every once in a while and goes, right. look guys, like, this doesn't make any sense. Right, right, right. So, yeah, that's my trophy dad. Good job. Yay. Yay. 45 hours later. Sorry. We had to catch up with each other. We did. It involved catching up with you. Yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.